You're listening to a sermon from Pastor Caleb Gordon of First Baptist Church of Cedarville, Kansas. We pray this message encourages and blesses you this week. If you'd like to join us to worship in person, we meet every Sunday at 11 a.m. at 418 Monroe Street in Cedarville, Kansas. We would love to see you. Find out more about us online at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Cedarvale First Baptist. If these messages bless you in any way, please consider giving to help support the ministry at First Baptist Church. Our mailing address is First Baptist Church, Cedarville, Kansas, P.O. Box 456, Cedarville, Kansas, 67024. This weekend, we, we do celebrate freedom. And that, that's what we're doing uh, as, as the 4th of July. We celebrate freedom. 246 years ago, we as a nation stepped out and said, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal and that they are endowed by their creator with certain unleanable or unleanable. That means you cannot place a lien against these rights. And among those li- rights are life, Liberty and the pursuit of happiness. Now, what interestingly enough, you know what the original draft of that was? It was life, liberty, and property. That was the original. That was the original writing of that. They edited out in the pursuit of happiness instead. That to secure those rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed, which means we the people are the ones that grant our government. The ability to govern. Our desire was to be free from the oppressive thumb of tyranny. The reason we left, the reason the people who came to America, the reason we came here was because we were tired of being told by the government, you cannot worship the Lord Jesus Christ. You can't worship him in the way you want to worship him. So therefore, we're not allowing you to have church. We're not the, you had to have a, church, a government-sanctioned church. You had to have the ability to worship like we're doing. Had to be okayed through the government at the time. Think about that. If, if, a, if the government said, listen, you can't have church unless we sanction it. That's what was happening. The pilgrims left, left England because of tyranny. And they had a desire to be set free from all kinds of things. And having that desire, listen, that desire to be set free has been fused into you as a human being. All throughout recorded history, we have story after story after story where people long to be free from the oppression of tyranny. Do I need to mention Pharaoh and the Israelites and Moses? Like that was... That was their yearning as they wanted to be set free from the oppressive nature of Pharaoh. And so that's been fused into us by human beings. We know that there is something better out there because God has placed that inside of us as human beings to be set free from oppression. We have a nagging desire in all of our hearts that there is something greater which is present in this world. This is why human beings chase so many different um, distractions and depressants. Because we as human beings know that freedom is a thing. We know that freedom is, I mean, think about all the movies that we watch. Think about all the things that, that are desired in these movies. That we want to be, certain people want to be freed from certain things. 
And think about all the things that we, that we cheer on. Some of the biggest box office successes are movies about beating the bad guy out and achieving some type of freedom that the bad guy has oppressed us down into. That is the core fight of humanity. Like, it's God versus Satan in everything around us. Freedom versus oppression. And, and like, if we can't be free, we, we, uh, we, get our, we surround ourselves with things that dull our minds to it. Like, I want you to think, look, listen to this, these stats. In 2021, Americans spent, and I'm going to give you the total on this in a second, but it broke it down in different sections. Listen to this. In 2021, Americans spent $36.8 billion, that's with a B, billion dollars on beer. Um, $35.7 billion was spent on wine, and $13.96 billion was spent on whiskey. So in 2021, Americans, that's not worldwide, that's Americans, spent $93 billion on alcohol. In 2021, $37 billion was spent on entertainment. That's movies, that's concerts, that's theater. $37 billion was spent on entertainment. That increased 14% from the year before. Now... I'm not saying that these things are bad. I'm not saying going to the movies is bad. I'm not that guy. Listen, I'm not the guy that says all these things are horrible. But what I'm trying to help us understand and help you show us today is that human beings know that there's something else out there and that many human beings try to find meaning and try to find freedom in these things. When someone who can't genuinely be free when, when you can't genuinely be free, you associate yourself with things that make you feel free. When you as a human being cannot genuinely be free, you will associate or you will follow or you will chase things that make you feel free for a time. But here's the thing. Your stuff, the possessions you have, the things you buy were never meant to buy God to bring you freedom. Your stuff was never meant to, to bring you freedom. You having access to physical things was never meant to bring you lasting or uh, meaningful satisfaction. How do we know? The scripture tells us. Ecclesiastes chapter 1 verse 8 says, All things are full of weariness. All things are full of weariness. A man cannot utter it. The eye is never satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. And everything that you try to buy or build or put together to try to find some sort of satisfaction, there's weariness in it. You build the perfect house, eventually there's going to be something wrong with it. You've got to fix it. You buy that nice car, and as soon as you drive it off the lot, it depreciates in value. Amen? The moment you buy that gadget, there's a new one that comes out two weeks later that's going to be cooler than the one you've got in your hands. The eye is never satisfied with seeing and the ear with hearing. That's the reason it's like a fire. I've never seen a fire say, you know what, that's enough wood, I don't need it anymore. A fire is constantly longing for more. That's like, listen, that's why when we get new clothes, those new clothes make us feel 
You slip on a new pair of jeans, you put on that new shirt, you put on a new pair of shoes, they make you feel different for a minute. Everybody that gets the right pair of jeans, you slip those on, you look in the mirror, and you make you, you feel for a second, man, I, you know what, I am a better human being now. You slip on, put those shoes on, that new pair of shoes, you're like, man, this does make me a better human being. No, it doesn't. You're still just a mess. You just got a new pair of sneakers. Like there's, you still are just as messy. You've just got new fabric on an old body. That's it. You've got new fabric on an old body. You owning the newest gadget does not make you in some way a better human being. It's all, every single ounce of it is an illusion. Your stuff, your relationships, your social status, your bank account has never meant, it was never meant by any, that you can't find freedom. It was never meant to bring you freedom. Your stuff was never meant to bring you freedom. All of those things are gifts from the Lord Jesus Christ to be used for His glory. You say, Caleb, wait a minute, my sneakers are supposed to bring God's glory? Amen. Yeah. You wearing the stuff you wear, owning the things you own, should bring glory to God's name. Every ounce of it. The only way you're going to find lasting satisfaction and lasting satisfying freedom is in the person and in the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is the only one that can actually bring freedom. And we crave freedom. Man, we crave it in so many different ways. But man, what we do is we, we rather than go to Christ to find our freedom, we go to our stuff, we go to our relationships, we go to our things to find freedom. It's the reason Paul wrote Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Did, did you guys catch that? Freedom, for freedom's sake. It is for freedom that Christ has come to set you free. Deliverance from the curse. That is what Christ has done, is He has brought deliverance from the fallen nature of the world. The curse that you and I are under, Christ came to set us free from. That the law pronounces over, like the curse is, is, being, is pronounced, is pronounced over all sinful humanity. All, actually, the curse is pronounced all over creation. Pre-curse, guess what? The lion didn't chase the lamb and kill it. It's post-curse that the lion now eats the lamb. Now there's coming a day when the lion, we're going to lay down with the lamb again. Babies are going to play with snakes and mom's not going to be like, <gasps> guess what? There's not going to be any worry that snake's going to hurt, hurt, harm that baby. There, there's coming a day when that's going to be done again. But Christ has come to set us free from the curse that was pronounced on all sinful humanity. And listen, all of us have been striving to be set free unsuccessfully. All throughout the pages of scripture and history, men have been trying to figure out a way to get free from the curse. And what we do is we try to find it in the arms of another human, a substance, or things. We, we are no more sinful than they were in the Bible. We just have more to be sinful with. There's, there's no difference between Caleb Gordon 
and Adam. Adam from the beginning of the Bible. Beginning of creation. The only thing that's different between the two of us is that I've got more to be sinful with. I've got sin at my fingertips if I want it. I've got an ability to sin at my fingertips, literally. And so Christ came to fulfill the law. The law, listen, pronounces that we're sinners. And it's a schoolmaster to teach us that, listen, you've broken all the commands and you deserve God's wrath. Christ came to fulfill the law. And as a result of that fact, we now have actual freedom We've been given actual access to freedom because of what Christ has done on our behalf. Christ dying on the cross, shedding his blood on the cross, provides us with access to freedom. Let's keep going. The text says what? Stand firm. This means to stand strong in that freedom that Christ has granted to us. Do not allow yourself to be shackled down again by the chains of the slavery of sin. Like that's what people don't understand is you're not free when you're sinning. You're not free. Listen, listen, Caleb, you guys are chained down and yoked down. You're just, you're just shackled down in that religion stuff where you got to be at church on Sunday morning. Guess what? I'm at the lake. Listen, brother, you're shackled to a boat. And if anybody's ever, if you've ever been shackled to a boat, what's the, the, the two greatest days in the world? The day you buy a boat and the day you sell it. Ask any, ask any boat owner. Listen, you're shackled to your stuff. You're either going to be chained to yourself and sin or you're going to be chained to Christ. Those are your two options. You say, Caleb, I'd rather be chained to myself and sin. I'm going to tell you, that's not going to last and that's going to destroy you in the end. Christ has come that you would have actual freedom. So stand firm. Stand firm. So many of us, we've been set free. Listen, so many of us, once we've been set free from sin, we run back to temporary pleasures and trade off eternal blessings for temporary pleasures. Some of us in this room are running to our sins in the hopes of finding lasting satisfaction, and it's a temporary pleasure, and we mistake it for an eternal blessing. No, it's not. Your temporary pleasure, that stuff that lasts a day, an hour, a moment, is gone. And man, some of us are trading eternal blessings for temporary pleasures. Eternal, everlasting blessings for temporary pleasures. So many of us fall into the arms of temporary pleasures and ignore the eternal blessings. We trade those things off as if it's some sort of a commodity. Man, the de- and, th- and here, listen to me. That's the deceptive nature of sin. This is how powerful sin is over us. That we actually believe that what we're doing is something that's going to benefit us in the long run, when in reality, it actually is to our demise. The thing that you're chasing, the stuff that you love more than Christ, is not going to satisfy you. It's not going to save you. It's not. And in order not to be chained or yoked up to slavery ever again, we must, we must, we must take death 
to self and to sin. That, and so we're going to land for the rest of our time this morning in Romans chapter 6. So if you've got a Bible, go to Romans chapter 6, and we're just going to land there for a minute. I'm going to read um, the first 14 verses, um, and, and then we're going to unpack it. I used to have a lot of this memorized, so um, it was something that, it was a personal challenge from my father to memorize this, but uh, let's read it together. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How can we who have died to sin live in it any longer? Do you not know that all of us have been baptized into Christ Jesus? We were baptized into his death. We were buried therefore with him by baptism into his death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in death like this, like his, we will most certainly be united with him in his resurrection. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we might no longer be enslaved to sin. For once we, for once, for one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, I'm sorry, for the death he died, he died to sin once for all. So just a little side note. That text right there proves that you can never lose your salvation. Another day, another time. Just side note there. Um, verse 11. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions do not present your members to sin as an instrument of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as though those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments of righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under the law, but you're under grace. Now, here's the beautiful thing. This is a prerequisite if you take death to sin Sin will have no dominion over you. But if you don't kill your sin, you will be under its curse. You will not be under grace. You will be under the law if you don't take death to your sin. The call of Christ listen to me. The call of Christianity is to take death to the things of this world. And I know that this is a narrow view. But it is the view that is biblical. And if we don't adhere to this view, we're in deep weeds. The Christian call is to take death to self. Death to your sin nature. To die to things that actually that are, have a worldly desire. To die to the things that actually um, mean something to us in the flesh. To die to things we actually desire. And to come alive to the things that Christ Jesus desires for us. We are to die to the things we want and we are to come to life 
to the things that Christ wants for us. That's what we're supposed to be doing. John Owens once said, Indwelling sin always abides whilst we are in the world. Therefore, it is always to be mortified. Mortified means to be put to death. He continues in this, in this quote and says, um, You must be killing sin or sin will be killing you. You must be killing sin or sin will be killing you. That's the, that's the Reader's Digest version of Romans chapter 6. You've got to put sin to death. You've got to drag this thing out into the street and you've got to kill it. You'll never find actual lasting freedom if you're not willing to decapitate your sinful nature. Like, listen, if you saw a poisonous snake in your yard, you don't just wound that thing. You don't just figure out like, oh, little, little fella, don't, nope, nope, nope. You don't do that. When you see a poisonous snake in your yard, you get the rake or the hoe and you smash that thing's head. And even after it's dead, like it's still flopping around, maybe you're still, you're still chopping that thing. Because why? It's a poisonous snake and it will kill you if it bites you. But some of you in the room have been playing with your sin for so long, you don't decapitate it. You stroke it and love it and take care of it and feed it. I'm telling you, there's going to come a day when your sin is going to kill you if you don't decapitate it and put it in the, in the garbage where it des deserves to, be go to, to live. If you're striving to find freedom through other means, you'll never be satisfied. You'll, ne you'll be bogged down and eventually... That thing that you're chasing will end up destroying you. It will. Like, listen, I, I watched this last week. I went and saw the, the biopic Elvis on, on Elvis Presley. I went and saw that last week. Great film. Loved it. Loved the history of it. Man, but my heart was grieved for this man. He, he went into a religious experience that was deceptive that was based heavily on emotions, not on the word of God. He was, he, was, he was wooed by a fleshly religion. That didn't bring him satisfaction. He found, man, music. Music, will, music is what will satisfy me. Got in singing. That didn't satisfy. Then he started doing drugs. And he, that didn't satisfy. And it just went over and over and over and over again he was trying to find he had such a desire to find something that would satisfy him and he thought music would be the one thing that would satisfy him but it became a golden shackle that actually brought him misery there was even a point where he's in this giant arena in that in in las vegas and he said from the stage i'm in a golden cage and i'm a monkey Remember that part? He's standing there and he's like, I'm, a golden, I'm in a golden palace cage and I'm shackled up like a monkey. Oh, my heart broke. My heart broke for him. And the people that were surrounding him were wicked, selfish, and narcissistic. He had a manager that took 51% of his earnings and just... He's laying on the floor in a, in a drug-induced coma, literally. And they pull the doctor that's there with him 
opened up the medicine thing and said, the only thing that matters is that man gets on a stage and he performs tonight. Do whatever it takes. And they stab him full of adrenaline, gets him up, and he's in a sweaty hot... The reason he was a hot, sweaty hot mess is because all the drugs that were in his system. He was shackled down to something that was supposedly going to bring him satisfaction and freedom, but it killed him at 42 years old. And surrounding yourself with these people that are wicked in intentions... Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20 through 21 says, Whoever walks with the wise will become wise, but a companion of fools will suffer harm. Brother, that Elvis was full of harm. Disaster pursues sinners, but the righteous are rewarded with good. And, and here's what's happening in the world today. We're being sold a bill of goods that will never amount to anything. We're chasing stuff. We're consumer driven. We are constantly looking for something to bring us happiness and satisfaction. And we, we think, oh, if I could just, my love of country, my love of country, that'll make me happy. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. I'm a patriotic American Christian, but I'm going to tell you in 10,000 years, you and I will not be standing on the stars and stripes. You and I will be standing on on the work and the person of Christ and being sustained by those two things for all of eternity. And we trade off this, this picture of this is what's going to help me. This is what's going to save us. Man, the Constitution is going to save us. Listen, I'm thankful we have the Constitution, but sometimes we elevate that thing over the Word of God. That needs to stop. We need to repent of that. We've been sold a bill of goods that is not going to amount to a hill of beans. Chasing the stuff of the world will never bring you any type of satisfaction. The only thing that's going to bring you lasting, eternal satisfaction is Christ Jesus. If I could just get a little bit more famous, if I could just make a little bit more money, if I could just get in the right circle of people, if I could just go to the right place, if I could just be free from this, if I could be free from that, I'd go do this. No, you wouldn't. Oh, golly, if I was a billionaire, I'd give more money. No, you wouldn't. What you have in a small amount is what you'll do with a big amount. The, the only lasting satisfaction is found in Christ. So, uh, Psalms 23, we all know this. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures, and He leads me beside still waters, and He restores my soul. The Lord alone can and will restore you as a human being. He can restore your soul. He can fix the broken places in your life. Matthew chapter 5, verse 6 tells us that when we hunger and thirst for righteousness, that's the moment that we're going to be satisfied. But if you're hungering and thirsting for anything else, you will never be satisfied. The culture tells you to, listen, this is a big thing right now. Stay hungry and grind. Just grind and work. Grind and work. Stay hungry. Be hungry and grind. Work hard. Work hard. Go, go, go. Do, do, do. Achieve. Accomplish. Build your kingdom. Do all these things. But what would it look like if our primary hunger and our primary thirst was to be fulfilled by Jesus Christ. What would it look like? Well, I'm glad you asked. 
Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all things will be to everything else will be added unto you. And now that doesn't mean, oh, if I seek Jesus first, then I'll become a millionaire. No, the idea in the text is that you're going to be satisfied. All the things you're looking for for satisfaction, that will be added to you when you seek Christ and his kingdom. You see, Jesus Christ is the sovereign king of the universe that has promised he is ready, willing, and able to set you free from your sins. That's what he's promised us. Exodus chapter 6, verses 6 through 8 tells us, this is Moses talking to the children of Israel. It says, this is what God said to the children of Israel. I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burden of the Egyptians. Egypt is always a picture, a symbol of sin. And I'll deliver you from slavery. The, 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 the pictures throughout all the text over and over again is that Christ can and will deliver you from your slavery. You have a desire down deep inside of us to be delivered from your sin and yourself. But some of us are so dadgum stupid. I know that I probably shouldn't say that from the pulpit, but I did. Because the te- you're going to see it in a minute from the text. Listen. Jesus said, I'll deliver you from your sin. I'll deliver you from slavery. And I will redeem you with an outstretched arm with a great axe of judgment. And I will take you to be my people and I will be your God. And you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the burden of your sin. The Egyptians. I will bring you to the land that I swore to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'll give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. The primary problem with you and I is that we don't most of us don't have genuine freedom we don't have genuine freedom and it's not God's fault that you don't have freedom it's your fault it's my fault because we've believed the lies of the enemy for so long the enemy's told us man we're conditioned by culture that listen the only way you're going to find freedom is if you've got that new thing. If you go here, if you travel here on this vacation, you're going to have satisfaction. If you do this, you're going to have satisfaction. You take this substance, man, you're going to feel good. You just even, you marry this person, oh, that's not the right person. Marry another one, marry another one, marry another one. Just, you just keep going. What did Jeremiah Johnson say? Skin that in Pilgrim, I'll get you another one. Great theologian, Jeremiah Johnson. Listen. Moses tells this to the people. Listen, God can redeem you from your slavery. He can save you. He can redeem you with great arms of of judgment and, and, and save you. Moses says this to the people, but they did not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and they lived in harsh slavery. Some of us are living in the midst of harsh slavery. It's self induced. And what needs to happen today is you and I both need to stop making the agreement with the enemy and we actually need to kill the sin that's inside of us. The sin that's roaming inside of us, the, 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 the depravity that's inside of us needs to be drugged into the street and shot in the head. Because if you don't, you're going to live in bondage. Uh, a couple years ago I heard a story about a guy who was a pastor in... Uh, Puerto Rico no I'm sorry Panama read your notes Caleb he was a pastor in Panama 
And he moved from Panama to California. And Pastor Whitaker was doing a, a revival one night. He was preaching a revival. That's what he did when he came to America. He was a Baptist pastor and was preaching a revival one night. And he gave the invitation. And this one, the first night of the revival, this woman comes forward with tears streaming down her face. And she said, Pastor, Pastor, please, if you would just pray that God would remove the cobwebs from my, from my heart. Please, just pray that God would remove the cobwebs from my heart and that I would be set free. So Pastor Whitaker, the first night, said, sure, we could do that. Lord Jesus, pray that you remove the cobwebs from this woman's heart. That you'd set her free. In Jesus' name, amen. Night number two of the revival, same woman comes down, tears streaming down her face, and she said, Pastor Whitaker, please. Pray that God would remove the spider or from the, 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 the spider webs from my heart, the cobwebs from my heart. Remove them. God, please. And he said, okay, I did this last night, but I guess we can do it again. Praise again. God remove the cobwebs from her heart. Night number three. Invitation. Same woman, same tears, same plea. Please, Pastor Whitaker, pray that God would remove the cobwebs from my heart. And Pastor Whitaker, in his wisdom, says, I'm not praying that prayer. Because the cobwebs are just a manifestation of what's going on in your heart. You need to kill the spider that is in there, causing the spiderwebs to be built. You need to go after the root. You don't, know, you don't need to go. It's so many of us go after the, not the root of the problem. We go to the, the things that manifest themselves in our lives. Well, if I just don't do this, or if I don't do this, if, uh, this week I won't cuss. This week I won't get angry. We go after the things that are visible in manifestations, but man, what we need to be doing is we need to go after the root and we need to kill the spider that's in our hearts that is the deception and the nature of sin. Back to the idea of John Owens. You'd better be killing your sin or your sin will be killing you. James chapter 1, verse 15 gives us a clear picture of what happens when we don't take death to our sin. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Listen, some of us in the room this morning, are been, we've been dealing with the, the manifestations of sin, but not actually going after our sin. We're not actually trying to kill our sins. We're trying to have behavior modification. I'm not going to cuss this week. I'm not going uh, to do this. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to get angry. I'm not going to say the things I need to... I'm just... Bu- 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 and we're dealing with the cobwebs all the while the spiders in the background going, <laughs> yeah, clean them off. I'll make new ones. Just clean them off. I'll make some new ones. You need to go in and smash the thing that is killing you. And so many of us are playing with sin. We've got so much sin in our lives that we don't even realize it. And we're not even dealing with it. And what we need to do is we need to repent and ask God to forgive us. We need to stop playing with the thing that is killing us. I've, I've, done, I've done this illustration here before, but it's, it's meaningful this morning because it's necessary. If I had this bottle of water, and Chancey before the service 
poured strychnine in here. And I was really thirsty. And I drank that down. But it had strychnine in it. What's strychnine going to do to me? It's going to kill me. That's a poison that if you ingest it, it will kill you. But some of us are so interested in getting the satisfaction of getting a drink that we ignore the fact that it's got poison in it. I want you to see this. Hebrews chapter 12. gives us this command. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us also throw aside every weight of sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross and despising its shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Doing what? Romans chapter 8 says that he's seated at the right hand of the Father interceding on our behalf. So what are we called to do? We're not called to coddle our sin and consume it and just be like, well, I know that this is bad, but it tastes so good. It, it really does satisfy me for a moment, Caleb. You don't understand. It makes me feel good for a minute. Sure, it might. But at the end of the day, if you continually consume and consume your sin and don't try to get rid of it, it will kill you. When desire has been conceived and it gives birth to sin... And sin, when it's fully grown, it'll kill you. That's James 1.5. Or 1.15. James 1.15. Like, listen. Some of us in the room need to stop clearing the cobwebs out or asking God to clear the cobwebs out. And we just need to go ahead and say, make war on our sin nature and say, God, I want real freedom. I need to go ahead and... And listen, if that means you need to get rid of your cell phone, get rid of it. If that means you need to cut some people out of your life and not have people in your life, go for it. Like, once you say, God, I'm, I'm done with my sin, forgive me of this. You, listen, an alcoholic doesn't go to the bar. A guy that's, that's consumed with lust doesn't go to the strip club. A guy that's just prone to anger doesn't put himself in a position to make himself angry he cognitively is aware okay this is this causes things in my life i'm going to avoid these things what's the scripture say every weight of sin let us throw off every weight of sin that clings so closely Listen, there's sin that's so deceptive and clinging so closely that we don't even realize it's sinful and we just do it anyways. What we need to do is say, God, by your mercy and by your grace and by your power, set me free from this. God, I don't want to be a part of it anymore. God, I'm sorry that I have done this. Please forgive me. And guess what? He will. 1 John 1, 9, if you confess your sins, He is faithful and just to forgive you. And then don't go back to the well that has the poison. Get rid of it. Like, get 
rid of it. Get away. Don't, don't. The scripture says don't make any provision for the flesh. Don't make a, don't make a easy out. Okay. I won't, I won't do that anymore. God, I'm done. But I'm going to tuck away the opportunity over and just in case something happens. I'm going to keep it in the cupboard just in case. I'm going to keep it in the closet just in case I might need to go back to it. No, you destroy it, you burn whatever it is, get rid of it. Last illustration. Cortez, which was not, he was not a godly man. 1519, set out on an expedition to discover a new world. Tons of ships, tons of resources, tons of money, tons of stuff. And they get onto the shores of the new world, unpack all the stuff, unpack all the things, and get ready to go explore. <clears throat> and they're looking for Cortez. They can't find him. They turn around and look down at the bottom of the, uh, off the cliffs, and all these, I think it was 11 ships, all 11 ships are on fire. They're all burning. And they're, they're running. Whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait. The ships are on fire. Where is Cortez? Our boats, our way home is, is, is burned. How do we, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? They find Cortez, and Cortez is down with a torch, lighting these suckers on fire. Why? He said, we're going to go to fulfill this mission, or we're going to die trying. No way home, no way of escape. It's success or death. One of the two. And some of us this morning need to, we need to burn the ships in our own spiritual life, just metaphorically here, burn the ships that are in our lives that provide us a way to escape back to our sin. We need to burn the ships that are present in our life that might get us back to where we might feel the comfort and the, and the warm embrace of our sin. Because here's the deal. The scripture promises you that there is temporary pleasure in sin. For a season, sin feels good. Sin is a wonderful thing for a moment. At least it feels that way. At least it feels wonderful. But then when it is, gives birth and is fully grown up, it's going to kill you. You keep drinking that stuff. You keep consuming the stuff you're consuming. You keep going to the places you go. You keep getting around the places you, the people you need to not be around. It's going to end up killing you. You need to burn your ships. You want real freedom? Let's, let's, the, the Declaration of Independence was written to, to declare your freedom. But guess what? God's word has declared you have a declaration here in the word of God that you have access to freedom. You've been provided a pathway to freedom. But most of us, we don't open this up and say, God, show me how to find freedom. Most of the time when you're done with this on Sunday, it's okay, I'm done with it for this week. I'll wait till next week. Let me. Yeah, it's time for church again. Blow the dust off. Let's go back and do it again. And we sit in the pews unmoved by anything in the service. And we go home and we continue to do the same exact thing over and over again. And we say, why am I not satisfied? Because you probably need to be saved. You probably need to repent of your sins and ask Jesus to save you. Well, Caleb, why am I so yoked down by my addictions? Because you probably need to be saved. Caleb, what do I do? You come to the end of yourself and you get on your knees before the Lord Jesus Christ and you say something like this. 
God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I've sinned against you. I'm sorry that I've broken your commands. I'm sorry that I've loved things and stuff and myself more than I've loved you. God, please forgive me. And guess what? He'll forgive you. And then as he told the woman that was caught in adultery, go and sin no more. Don't run back to it. Don't trade eternal blessings for temporary pleasures. Don't persuade, don't, don't pursue temporary pleasures over eternal blessings. Stay away from it. You say, Caleb, how do, I, how do I ensure that I can stay away from it? Get connected in a place like this and get around people that are going to push you to the, towards the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't surround yourself with people that are going to excuse your sin. Don't get around. Well, you know, you're only human. Yeah, I know I'm only human. That's, well, only God can judge me. And that should terrify you. You know, God can only judge. I know that. And that should genuinely put fear in our hearts that God can judge us. We'd better get right with the Lord before it's too late. As Frank Shelton said when he was here, hell's too long for you to be wrong. Hell is too long for you to be wrong. So if you're here this morning, my challenge for you, Marjorie, I'm just going to have you come play whatever you want to play. And I want us to take just a couple minutes here this morning. And if you're here this morning and the Holy Spirit has stirred up in you just a little bit of something, man, I'm going to plead with you that you would make the public declaration of independence. That I'm going to stay away. I'm going to run from sin. And Jesus, I'm going to love you more than I love myself. And I'm going to love you more than I love my sin. And that you'd come forward and you'd pray and ask Jesus to save you. And that you'd ask Jesus to forgive you of your sinfulness. And that you would repent of your sin. And that you'd ask Christ to redeem and reconcile you. And you can be set free. And this, this Independence Day can genuinely be an Independence Day that has eternal benefits. You've been listening to a sermon from Pastor Caleb Gordon of First Baptist Church of Cedarville, Kansas. We pray this message encourages and blesses you this week. If you'd like to join us to worship in person, we meet every Sunday at 11 a.m. at 418 Monroe Street in Cedarville, Kansas. We would love to see you. Find out more about us online at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Cedarvale First Baptist. If these messages bless you in any way, please consider giving to help support the ministry of First Baptist Church. Our mailing address is First Baptist Church, Cedarvale, Kansas, P.O. Box 456, Cedarvale, Kansas 67024. God bless you.